Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we... A pair of gays talk about what we're watching. I am Declan. And I'm Ned. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. We'll be talking spoilers throughout as always, so proceed with caution. But before all that, Ned, I'd love to know about what you've been watching since we last recorded. Oh, well, I feel like I'm back on the film-watching wagon. There are a few weeks where I didn't really get much time to watch anything. But we're back. We're baby. back. Um, we had a bit of a old timey Spielberg day. We did when uh, my brother and his girlfriend were visiting for the weekend, and we were hungover, weren't we? After our housewarming party, mm. so we had a bit of a Spielberg afternoon, evening. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. it was a fantastic party. Thanks for asking. And uh, <gasps> oh. I did feel bad there. We got a couple of noise complaints. So if any of our lovely neighbours are listening, I do apologise. Uh, probably won't happen It's not again. the noise not I feel the most again. bad about. It was the, the fact that a bottle went off the eighth floor balcony. And I remember when you told me, oh, they've said the bottle's gone over. I thought, I don't think a bottle's gone over. And I looked off the balcony <laughs> and I just saw this, well, glass obviously smashed to smithereens mm. from an eighth floor. So, if you learn one thing from this podcast, listeners, don't drop a glass off a skyscraper. If you have a party... Not that we're in a skyscraper, but... On the eighth floor, (laughs) have a no-glass-outside rule like they do in bars. Good, yeah. That's the lesson learned. Anyway, back to the films we've been watching. Yeah. Our hungover day, we watched Goonies, which I will always love. Um, I don't love it as much as you and your brother. We, I think me and his girlfriend were yeah. in the similar, yeah, it's fine kind of thing. Oh, I love it. We got it for Christmas one year on DVD, though, so we used to watch it quite a lot. Yeah. I wonder if it's like how my Free Willy was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I love it, and then yeah. I'll put it on for you. I was going to say, I showed yeah. you my Free Willy. Yeah. And... I didn't really think that much of it, to be honest. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, it, I can't even remember what I gave it on Letterboxd. Although I might not have even done it, because I, think I was in and out. Made... I was getting headed for work the next oh, day. I was doing room for that, for most of the Goonies. Well, that's how strongly I felt mm. about it, I guess. Depending on what mood I'm in, I usually rate it four and a half or five. Interesting. On Letterboxd. Um, and then we went straight in from Goonies to another Spielberg classic, didn't we? Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I won't say too much about that because we've got a podcast episode pending on that one, listeners. So if you're an Indiana fan, I was trying to make a, a pun out of it then, 
Um, listen out for that one. That'll come out. We'll get it whipped soon. into the ether for you. <clears throat> Thanks for that. Well, you were looking for a reference. Well, I was so. thinking like Indie Fanner. I'm you know leaving I mean? the like, room. <laughs> really bad. That is really bad. <laughs> okay, sorry. And um, is that is that everything? Oh, is there more? No. Oh. In the recovery period of this monstrous party we had, I did about how many loads of laundry did we have? I've about lost eight, count. nine. Yeah. I don't know. So I stood all afternoon today ironing it, um, and I watched Tangled. Lovely. <laughs> and then I watched The Territory, which is a National Geographic documentary, about an hour and a half long, um, about an indigenous community in um, Brazil, in the Brazilian Amazon, who are fighting for their rights to their own land, which is... Oh, I think that's on my watch list, actually. Mm, I'd recommend it. It's definitely one to ignite the spark of progressive activism in you. Right. Um, yeah. Anything else? Just it's really good to watch. Um, what was it on? I watched it on Disney+. Plus. Oh, because it is it National, National Geographic? Geographic, right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and then we watched Swan Song, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, which is a bit confusing because I think in the same year two films called Swan Song came out. Because um, when we did this thing where we didn't know what to watch, so I put all of my watch list into a kind of wheel of names kind of thing. But this is the 2021 Todd Stevens film, um, which follows a retired hairdresser. Um, he's gay. So it's a bit of a queer film. It takes a long walk. Like, he gets invited to an ex-client to do the hair of an ex-client who's died for her funeral. It's more of a summoning than an invitation. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought it was great. I've actually just looked on Letterboxd and I didn't I didn't even log it. Pretty sure I did. Did I? I don't know. Um, it's not like me not to. I know. It's weird. Um, but yeah, really good film, isn't it? Yeah. Very much. Tugs on the heartstrings. It does. I think I sure. enjoyed it more than you, which isn't normally... Yeah, I think you did as well, but I'm not really sure why. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood. There is that to be said when you're in the mood for certain films, which segues yeah. perfectly into something that I've watched as well. Go on. <laughs> so, Escape Room 2. Oh, I watched that with you as well, didn't I? You did, yeah. I, I want... haven't logged it, so I best do. I wanted a film. I was hungover. There's a theme to this podcast about hangovers, but this was after Eurovision this past weekend. Turns out May 2023 is a month of um, significant events. So we've just ended up most weekends. Too Been drunk. pretty busy, haven't yeah, we? Drinking too much. Um, but I just wanted a film where I was like, it's not going to be too violent. It's a bit like, I don't really get, need to give it all that much attention. Or I need it to do a lot that will hold my attention so it's quite gripping. And I did enjoy it for what specific. it was. I know, but that's exactly what I wanted and exactly what I got. Mm. So it's on Netflix at the minute because it's due to kind of Sony's deal. I thought some of the writing was a bit ropey, but I think oh, as long as I it mean, knows it's not a very good film, then I'll... 
I'm quite happy to enjoy it. I mean, I gave it two and a half stars, so I wouldn't exactly say it was like yeah. a cinematic masterpiece, but it was exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And it was tense enough that like to get out with all the different escape rooms, it was a bit scary. Yeah. And it's on Netflix. Both the first one and the sequel are on, and if you just want a daft film, mm. I'd recommend. Is it her from Pose that's in it? India yeah. more, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's great. Mm. Um, although not that great in that part, I don't think it was. I feel like well written. none of them are that great in that film. Yeah, probably. Um, and then other like I've watched other bits, but this is just to highlight some of the telly highlights. <laughs> I'm an imaginative moment with my words this evening. Um, but Ted Lasso, the latest episode that I've seen. Um, I don't bring up every episode I watch weekly, but it focused on a lot of the story was about one of the team members coming out as gay. Um, So I thought with us being gays on film, I would talk about it. And I thought it was really well handled. And I actually think that there's a real notice. I've really noticed Ted Lasso get a bit more liberal. We've had like a lesbian couple this season, this gay footballer. And I think I've read that kind of a, it's a response to Trump or something like does it feel and here's a question completely no prior assumptions or anything or knowledge does it feel like it's being the best type of inclusive or does it feel like they've sort of thought hmm we probably need to tick some boxes no I don't yeah. I wouldn't say it's either it's probably in the middle yeah. like it's always been quite a heartwarming show, but it really pivoted in the second season when it started to go to more of a drama than a comedy, like it was in the first. And now in this third, it like some episodes are like an hour long, so it's like a full-on drama mm-hmm. with some co- comedic bits in. Yeah. Um, but it was great. It, yeah. it, it was it was really nice. I finished you season four. You finished me. <laughs> which I will say, I like. I wouldn't necessarily call you a good show. It's just quite addictive. But this fourth season, especially part two, because they did that thing where Netflix split some seasons now like a month or so apart. Okay. They're doing that with The Witcher, season three coming up. Um, That finals part was... I mean, it went to places I did not see it going and it was stupid. In a bad way? I didn't think it was particularly... Basically... I'm sure it's been on Netflix a while, but the whole first part of the series was like, oh, who's killing all these people because Joe didn't think it was him. Turns out he'd been disassociating and it was him, and I was a bit like, oh, this is a bit stupid. Oh, wow, how imaginative. Yeah. Um, And then I would just like to highlight Star Wars Visions Season 2 because I haven't watched them all yet, but I just think they're so inventive. They're the ones where each episode's a different animation animation studio. studio. Yeah, and I just think they're so cool. I did Um, watch that Ardman one with you, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, some of them I like more than others. Some of them are a bit... The animation is a bit too weird sometimes, but I think the world is getting used to different animation styles post-Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. and. And Puss in Boots was very different to kind of the generic animation that we see. So I do think there's more and more different types of animation coming through, which is great. Um, But I just think it's lovely little bits of Star Wars content if you've got 15, 20 minutes. 
Lovely. But yeah. Get your galactic fix in. Yeah. Uh, what's been in the news then? So this has been in the news for a while, but the WGA, which is the Writers Guild Association, I think that's what the A stands right, for, yeah. um, is striking in Hollywood, um, which when they last had a long strike had real kind of detrimental effects on Hollywood films. One. When was it? One good example is the reason that why Quantum of Solace, the Bond film, wasn't very good is they decided to go ahead and finish it without having kind of a writer involved. They just kind of made it up on the spot. Um, So, and there's also talk that when current contracts end, the Directors Guild and the Producers Guild and potentially the Actors Guild will all join on the strike as well. So Hollywood... Are they striking, like, with everyone else for pay and working conditions? Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I think, it, like, if you hear actors, you think, oh, well, they'll be paid a fortune, but there's a lot of actors there's out like there... There's, like, a handful that, of actors that, that are paid will a not be. But I think the writers are very concerned because a lot of it is to do with kind of what's happened with streaming. So before, if you wrote episodes of Friends... Mm. You would get money forever when Friends was sold to E4 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Whereas streaming now, because you write it and then it belongs to that streaming platform and can't really be distributed anywhere else, your residuals, as they call it, in the biz, in the biz. drop right down. Mm. So, so you I, can't make a living off of a show. Pretty much, yeah. Um, it's changed a lot and they have really big writers rooms so there's like loads of people in the room and they obviously have to pay everyone so it's yeah. not all that well um distributed yeah interesting oh my god wasn't one of the oh who was it can't remember what country at eurovision know. the first performance i think and they were dressed in red and it was about um oh Edgar like, Allan Poe. who the fuck is Poe or whatever yeah. it is <laughs> Um, That's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> and they, one of the sure. lyrics was something like 0.003 pence per, or cents. String per stream. Per stream. So musicians aren't making money off of streaming either. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I think I mentioned on the podcast before, I do think studios are coming around to the fact that they all can't make the money that they thought they could off streaming and the theatrical experience is not going to go anywhere. And Turns out people love the cinema. They do. We do. Um, but I very much am in solidarity with the writers and I hope, from a selfish perspective, that they do get the deal that they mm. want quite soon because this will start to have major, major effects on film and tv come in if if scripts are in the can currently we're fine i think yeah. i read that something like house of the dragon season two that was completely written so um that will still go ahead and film but what's interesting is like a lot of these shows and, and films still have writers during filming when things get changed so that makes sense you risk them not being able to tweak things when they're maybe not or half ass in the tweak or really making a hash of it. Well, exactly. And you hear, like, on Marvel films, sometimes they're literally rewriting parts of the script because it's this massive web of all yeah. these different shows and films that they need to... So I do think it's going to... I've already saw something today that The Mandalorian Season 4 is halting production whilst well, the strikes are happening. Okay. So... It might in... give us a bit of a window to watch some more old-timey films there. <laughs> I know, but I'd, the the other sad aspect of it for me is I feel like Hollywood's just got back into gear post-pandemic, you know. You've got 
Mario, which is on one point, nearly one point three billion worldwide. Oh my god, that's Guardians is probably going to go over six hundred million worldwide this weekend, which is great for the MCU, especially after Ant Man flopped. Yeah. Um, and I just think they've just got it all fire, firing on all cylinders again, and potentially we might be in a year or two where there's a lack. I wouldn't say a lack of content because there's so much content out there at the minute, but there'd be a lack of a reduced amount potentially of of films and TV shows coming out. But as you say, might give us a chance to catch up. Maybe it'll get some like great films back into the cinemas where they've got spare screens and they want to put some like that are worth seeing on IMAX again or whatever. Who knows? If you're listening, cinema execs. Make the right choices. Yeah. Um, well, what a time we have had. But now it is time, dear listeners, to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for Trailer, Trash or Treasure. What do we have this week, Declan? So, we always try to pick a trailer that only came out like in the last week. Yeah. This one, I think, has been out about two, but there's no way that I couldn't not do it. Oh, yeah, we're absolutely doing So, that. it's June part two, everyone. Do you know what I thought you were going to do? What? The, like, scream singing. <laughs> I'll do that when we go see Hans Zimmer in a few weeks. <gasps> Exciting. Exciting. Um, so, yeah, as always, link will be in the show notes if you'd like to watch along, and we will see you right after the sparkles. Well, it looks like an excuse to rewatch the first one. Is oh, I mean, I don't need an excuse really to do that. Well, well maybe it. we should do an episode on June at some point over the summer mm. when they release calendar gets a bit sparse in August. Yes, perhaps. So in this trailer, he rides a sandworm, which is cool. Mm. Um, I will say, Denis Villeneuve does world building and sci-fi I think like no one else it looks again what else like, do I know them for well he did Arrival um, what else did he oh, do I liked Arrival I thought it was weird as Arrival um, yeah. it was on my reading list for oh was it a book no the film was on my reading list for my masters at some point because we were talking about how language shapes your view of the world and it's really really interesting to look at it through that Anyway, this isn't about arrival, this is about June. <laughs> he did Blade Runner 2049, which I know you Ooh, watched the first one recently. Coming up on my list, that one. I just um, watched Blade Runner. Oh my God, I didn't even speak about you it. You didn't. Let's not do that now, um, though. Um, and, yeah, it shows a lot more of Zendaya, which can't can't be difficult because she was hardly in the first one. Mm-hmm. But Denis has said that the first... Which was actually a criticism of the first film, that it felt like a part one, rather than its own story. Which I do get, but I enjoyed it just as much. I mean, it was called part one. No, I know, but Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring was its own story, and you could argue yeah, that, that was part one within Lord of the Rings. I don't think I would argue that that was part one in Lord of the Rings there. Uh, well, a lot of people criticise it because yeah. it felt like it was get building towards something, but it was like three hours of build. This is clearly very, very much like building towards 
something big yeah. and I'm determined to finish the book when we're I in Mallorca think, um, to see what happens because I can't wait to November um, I think that when June part one came out people weren't quite as used to 3 hour films as they will be by the time this comes out yeah there's been a lot hasn't there's been there been a lot of 3 hour yeah. films like the average film length is at least half an hour longer than it once was yeah we see some new characters in this. So we see Florence Pugh as Princess Arulan, who is the Emperor's daughter. Um, we don't actually glimpse the Emperor, who is going to be played by Christopher Walken in yeah. the in this first trailer anyway. I did spot um, Dave Batista. He was in the first one. I know, but I spotted him. In oh. <laughs> um, we also see new people, Austin Butler with his bald cap on, looking very menacing as a Harkonnen. So he's a he's a baddie. Mm. Um, Leah Sadu as Lady Margot, who's a Bene, Bene Gesserit and a close friend of the Empire. Mm. Um, just looks so good. Mm. I think this film does really well that they use live, um, they use real world locations as well. Oh, definitely. Like, obviously, I know there's a lot of special effects involved because it's, yeah, there's well, flying obviously. dragonflies as ships. But uh, I think you'll find they're called ornithopters. I know, they are. Um, but yes, uh, can't wait for it. Very much a treasure. treasure. Although I will say, not mm. as much as a treasure as I thought I was expecting. Because that, that one of the trailers for the first June used a Pink Floyd track and something about the way they used the music and the visuals, it was really good. Whereas I thought it was strange with this trailer that they decided to kind of just use the June soundtrack for this one. Um, I mean, to be fair, would putting myself in the shoes of someone who thought June 1 was okay, I don't know if this would make me excited to see June 2. But, because I love June 1, I am excited to see June 2. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's got quite a... Let me have a look. So it comes out on the 3rd of November, unless it changes, but I don't see why it would. Mm. It hasn't... So a lot... The first film did very well on premium screens, because they very much pushed, like, go see this in IMAX, which, absolutely, why wouldn't you? But a week after, the Marvels comes straight out, so I think that'll take all the premium screens, so it depends on... And then the week after that, was straight to the Hunger Games prequel, so it's quite a stacked month in November. Mm. So we'll see how it goes. But yes, treasure for me. Treasure for me. Um, (laughs) And that brings us... I was on the wrong screen then, sorry. Silly. And that brings us to this week's headline feature. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, coming up after this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. <laughs> it sounded like you were doing the match scores then. Macclesfield Town 2, Luton 4. <laughs> you were struggling to think of locations. Well, I went with Macclesfield, which I knew would be quite low in the league, so I couldn't go like Arsenal because that would have been silly. So, yes, I did panic. Anyway, Guardians Very of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, literally, I will preface this. So, we've seen it twice. Probably one of my favourite Marvel films ever. Oh, it's, yeah. Comfortably in the top five. It, like, oh, I was going to say comfortably as... in my top ten. Maybe in my top five. Oh, I was going to say comfortably in my top five without thinking about it. If I were to sit down and order that's a good point. It's probably still up there. Yeah, I think the marketing of this film was so clever in the sense that they set expectations that someone was going to die. In a lot of what they were saying, did they? Yeah, like the trailers framed it that oh, it's this rocket's and is rocket going to die? Or they framed it that this is the final film of the Guardians, so then everyone just presumed that Someone someone's going to die. die. Um, but the marketing did lean into that as well. Mm. And even in the film, I think with that marketing, there was a few spots where he thought, oh, this is where it's going to happen. Like when Star-Lord was in space and he mm. swelled, sw- swelled up, I thought, oh, is he going to go yeah. like that other guy went in the first or second Guardians? I can't remember now. Um, but I just think it set expectations... And I went into it with high expectations. And I got from it personally exactly what I wanted without knowing what I really wanted. Does nice. that make sense? That means it was a successful film then. Like the way it ended for me, kind of everyone just going off and the, the current... We've not even done a plot synopsis and you're telling me... Oh God, it. I haven't. Yeah, sorry. Have plot synopsis. One, I... I haven't, no. No. <laughs> okay, dear listeners, let me let me set the you scene. You love dear listeners saying that, don't you? Today, I think it's because we've not recorded in quite a while. Dear listeners. <laughs> and I just want to make sure everyone's having this conversation together. It's not just about us on our platform. It's about community. Anyway. Anyway. The Guardians have set up shop in Nowhere, the ancient skull of a long-dead god, for those who are not in the know. Yeah. Without Gamora in their ranks, Peter Quill... Drowns his sorrows in booze. Oh, sad. <laughs> All is generally fine until Warlock shows up out of nowhere, a sovereign with greater strength than sense, to kidnap Rocket. Yeah. In battle, Rocket becomes gravely injured, leaving him on life's... Nope, let me re... I've... What is happening? I can't read. <laughs> in battle, Rocket becomes gravely injured, Leaving him on life support with little time left, the Guardians team up with Gamora, now a Ravager, to find the key to Rocket's origins and save his life. Did you come up with that yourself? Yeah. Well done, that's good. Yeah. Not copy and paste job here. 
So that's the setup, basically. Mm. And you already know the ending. <laughs> what else is there to say? Lords, I've got so <laughs> many notes for this film. Where do you want to start? I don't really know where uh, to start. Okay, I never do. Are, in this film, there are two lines that really stand out to me as like top quality writing. Can you guess what either of them are? There's one about, I think I've wrote it. So one is... Hang on, you just asked me. I know, I'm going to say one is Rocket's line and one is the High Evolutionary line. So the High, Evolu- high Evolutionary line is something like, there isn't a God, that's why I stepped in. Yes, and he's like so fierce and frantic. Yeah, which was like another it. Marvel line that was like in WandaVision where Vision said, what is grief if not love endearing or something along yeah. those lines. I was like, that... Cinema <laughs> straight away, yeah. No, and and yeah. to talk about the high evolutionary, yeah. Uh, Chukwadi Uwuji, sorry for absolutely fumbling that. His performance was fantastic, so yeah. chilling. Oh my god, and it's been like not so much post endgame because I think actually villains have been quite good, but before, before endgame, everyone's like, Marvel villains are rubbish. But, but, like, phase four and five, we've had High Evolutionary. Yeah. Chang-Chi. Chang-Chi. Shang-Chi's dad. Yeah. Who was quite good. Well, who was the one... We've had Kang. The other one in... We've had shit tons of Spider-Man villain. Oh, no. Was it a Thor villain? The, like, black and white, scary... Oh, I didn't quite... I didn't... I don't... Don't bring Thor, Love and Thunder up. Gar. Is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah, Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had Wanda, who was like an anti-villain, anti-hero. Oh, I it? always feel sorry for Wanda. I know. Well, she's under a pile of rubble at the minute with yeah. not knowing what's happening. Um, but yeah, he was just so good. And th- it, it felt a bit weird to me that Kang was set up as this big villain in Ant-Man. And whilst I do think Kang's character was quite good, I was probably going to be recast. Um... If you don't know it, Google it. Um, but I found the High Evolutionary so much more compelling and oh, interesting so, yeah. than Kang. And yeah. Kang's meant to be the next big baddie of this saga. And you just think, well, huh, doesn't really make sense. But yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic. And then the other line you said was from Rocket. Uh, yeah, are you finished talking about High Evolutionary? Did you not want to comment on his makeup? That prosthetic... Well, that kind of comes under where I talk in my notes about how dark this film goes. Okay. But I yeah. liked his costume. I liked his makeup. Although there's quite a big overuse of purple in villains. I have a feeling that's a thing. Like it it's probably not just Marvel, is. It's, yeah. It's, it's a, a villainous colour. Like um, Ursula in The Little Mermaid is purple. Not long till that now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, so the second amazing line. Oh, I, I don't know, Rockets. I know another line that actually made me choke up, but it wasn't necessarily because it was a... Well, it was well written, but it wasn't necessarily because of that. It was more the point it was making. But you say Rockets first. So I want to set it up. The high evolutionary is like, I'm not trying to take over the universe. I'm trying to perfect it. Uh, Rockets retort is something like, 
you don't want to perfect things. You just hate them the way they are. That was a good line. That's and, very true. Yeah, I love that one. I think that one is um, quite real-worldy in its relevance. Lots of people I thought that. trying to... Change things, yeah. but it's because they don't like it. Trying to, I don't know, prevent trans people using bathrooms or <laughs> prevent gay people getting married or whatever. They're not trying to make things better. They just hate things the way they are. Yeah. And I just think, you know, a lot of people can sit with that and reflect. Because I sure do. Yeah. Um, so, yes, credit to those lines. Absolutely so the line smashing. that made me choke up, mm-hmm. and apologies, dear listeners, <laughs> I think we're going to jump around quite a lot in this, but... Yeah, we're a bit too excited to yeah. really have any coherent conversation, so you're going to get a lot. But <laughs> Rocket gets very near close to death, and he has like a near-death experience where he goes... He like sees the, the light at the end of the tunnel, the light, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. and he yeah. sees some of his friends who we'll touch on in a bit. And one of his friends, Lila, says to him, this was like the story was always yours or this was always your story. Mm. And it really hit me because <laughs> I can't believe I actually cried in the cinema over a CGI raccoon, but Twice. that's how well written it is. But it just, it, it felt quite meta in its sense because Gunnar's always said that he thought this trilogy was kind of Rocket's story. And it and it to go... To go now from what we've seen in this film and his character arc in this film, granted he's not around in a lot of this film because in present anyway he does have quite a lot of flashbacks, but because he's he forms the central like yeah, theme of this but film. If you look right back now yeah. over all of the films Rocket has been in, like him getting disgruntled about when people are calling him certain animals or the way he reacts to certain things, mm. it, it all just like the payoff of it all was just so, so, so good. Yeah. And obviously he doesn't die. And Lila's like, you're not ready now. Oh, and she's like, oh, the sky, it is amazing and forever, which is a really cute line um, from earlier in the film. And then he's like, can I come too? And she's like, yes, but not yet. Oh, I know. Yeah. So shall we, whilst we're kind of on Lila, shall we talk about how dark this film actually gets? Oh my god, so it's like... Um, it's like Peter's wet dream, isn't it? People have been saying. Yeah, it's very... The edge of graphic animal cruelty, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. And so I've got... So you've got the way Rocket was trapped from being... Are they cub raccoons? Probably. I would have said so. Like right from a being a, a baba, let's say. A wee bear. A wee bear. Um, like the way he was, like, manipulated. And there's actually a scene where they watched the video of what happened to him, but they didn't actually show it. They just heard it, because obviously it was that barbaric. And then he, within these, in his cages, he befriends other animals that are being experimented on, Mm. who all don't have names, but then they all have this cute scene where they all lie down together and they all ask what we'd like, like now we're friends, should we come up with names? So we have Lila the Otter, we have Floor, who is this bunny rabbit, which is slightly scary looking, but quite cute at the same time. I think um, Floor visually makes you really, really uncomfortable, (laughs) but she's so adorable. 
mm-hmm. and innocent. <laughs> and then we have the walrus. Teeth. Teeth, <laughs> which we laughed at because we always we always say teeth as a couple. Are you going to clean your teeth? So I think because when you smile, your teeth come out a little bit. Yeah. So I'm always like tapping them and going, teeth. And then we told ourselves that James Gunn must have listened to our podcast when it started and and decided that would be a cute name for a walrus. But even the walrus is like, I want to call myself that because I've got big teeth and everyone's got teeth, but mine are bigger. (laughs) (laughs) That was good, that. Yeah, it was. Um, that was cute. So, um, so we get them, befriends them, they all get killed. Oh. Which is just tragic. As, just as they're about to escape. Yeah, because they've all thought that they're going to get to see the sky and go to this new world that the High Evolutionary has built, but not their versions of the experiments. He wants, like, the perfect versions to go down to this yeah. counter-earth that he's created. So Rocket finds out that they're not going and helps them escape. Lila is shot. And then in the skirmish following... That's a good word, skirmish. Teeth and Claw are also shot. So that's sad. And then Rocket absolutely screams and loses his head. Jumps on the high evolutionary and literally, like, mauls him. Um, And that's why the high evolutionary, as we find out, has these kind of... Well, it's like a prosthetic face mask, but it, it it's like he's he's put a second skin on his face because yeah, rocket damage. I mean, when his I was, so when much. I commented prior, I more meant like the special effects makeup. I didn't mean his mask was mind blowing. I mean, it was a mask. No, but just how how dark it got that like yeah. rocket jumped and like mauled yeah, him. Um, that. Oh my god! On Counter Earth, though, it was so brilliantly stupid. It literally just looked like Earth, except the Statue of Liberty was a statue of the high evolutionary holding a monkey. Um, And everybody was just like people doing people things, but animal versions of people doing people things. Anthropomorphic versions of animals, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, the concept is that the high evolutionary puts random animals into this chamber thing and forces them through millions of years of um evolution designed evolution so they become perfect beings or whatever um i didn't get oh siri (laughs) that's the first time that's happened actually siri obviously wants to get involved really siri likes guardians of the galaxy but that was another bit that was dark the destroying of counter earth when the high evolutionaries deemed that he's not happy with it so he just wipes out a full planet full of Oh, yeah, no, Things yeah. with feelings and... He's just like, ah, oh, I made this. It's all mine. It's my right to destroy. But what I wanted to comment on was some of the animals on Counter-Earth, animal people, people, animals. <laughs> Furries. <laughs> some of them were really, really cool, like really weird looking and very could, in some weird imagination, be real animals. And some of them look like cheap furries. Yeah. Could you work out, so you know when they land and the fact they go into this family's house and yeah. talk to them even though they don't really communicate to each other? Have you never tried having a conversation with someone who doesn't speak in the same language? Well, yeah, but that wasn't even a la- Well, it was a language, but it was not on earth. Could you work out what they were? Yeah, they were like bats. Were they bats? Yeah. I was on aardvark for a bit. No, I don't think they were on aardvark. But what? 
I found those animals really funny, but not even in like a, oh, they've really tried to force a joke in here. Like when they were all looking in the window to see what was happening in the house. And it was just like nosy neighbours. But when they came out the house and they all tried to like... Pretend like Pretend they they weren't watching. There's this one that looked like an emu or something. And the way that one was like trying not to look... Like he was nosing. Um, <laughs> it really made me giggle. Even when um, Peter Quill's like, is that your car outside? Can I borrow it? And the, the husband or the dad or whoever it is like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the car, MCU's first F-bomb. Yes. And hilarious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, really funny. You allowed one swear word in the 12 there. Well, one F-bomb in a 12A for it to be still be in a 12A, so they used it. Oh. But it, it was really well deployed, I thought. It was yeah. it was really funny. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's a good way into leaning into some of the other characters. So I thought Nebula in this... Well, I think highlights for me were probably Nebula and Mantis. I agree. And... Nebula was so funny, especially when she couldn't. Well, when she couldn't get that car open, <laughs> but also when Gamora was like the girl that you fancied, because obviously Gamora now is the one that's from back in time and doesn't really know the Guardians. You know, the guy that you, the girl that you fancy, sound more like her and points at Nebula and her and Chris Pratt are like, oh no, 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 and then they like look at each other. I just think the comedic timings, and honestly, to think she started in Doctor Who or made a big break in Doctor yeah. Who, I just love that even more. Yeah. Um, I think Nebula might have become my favourite Guardian. I actually think Nebula's one. probably got one of the most well-written arcs across all of the MCU. Like yeah. her story from like coming in being. Yeah. An antagonist to Gamora. She had. She obviously had run-ins and things to do with Thanos yeah. and all these kind of bits. I just think she's, and the way it ends, and the way her arc ends is just great. And I thought Smashing. Mantis has always been a funny side character, but not really been. She's always a bit crap. I would say up until now. Honestly, I can't actually remember a whole bunch of what Mantis has done. The main thing she's done film. is when she came down onto Thanos's head and she put her hands to try and make him sleep so they could pull the Infinity Gauntlet off uh, him. Okay. But other than that, I mean, it didn't work because he still got, managed to snap his fingers. Yeah. So, um, but Mantis was really funny in this. Oh, brilliant. Like, I can't pick out. <laughs> and she finally, she brought like a wisdom. She had a bit of depth. Yeah. She sort of, she was there to hold a mirror up to other characters but she wasn't just a prop anymore she it's was like when she said she was telling nebula shouting at nebula and saying you're always mean to everybody yeah drax is stupid but <laughs> we love him for being stupid and then drax is in the background like i'm not sure i like this compliment or something <laughs> like that and even drax who i actually quite like but a lot of people don't like him like i found him funny as well mm. um really funny yeah that was another funny nebula bit where they're all running to out of the high, evolu- high evolutionary shape. And she's <laughs> yeah. like... And she's trying to head all of these kids, kids out. Why do you all run so slow? <laughs> um, so that... And it's just even the way she was running, she looked like so bogged down by carrying this kid. Um, uh, that was really, really funny. Honestly. Um, 
Another funny bit, and we did see it in the trailer, but when Drax throws that ball at one of those animals on Counter-Earth and it goes flying, that is silly humour, but it's funny. It's really funny. Um, Absolutely one of those jokes where, like, the whole cinema burst out. Yeah. And that was what was nice, because I was like, oh, the cinema's full. Both times we saw it, it was really busy, and I just thought we're all having a real... We communal even had to have laugh. side seats the we second did. time because it was too busy in the middle. Not fan of being a side. No. And just every single character had their total time even to shine. Like, like the side characters, like Cosmo and... Oh, I haven't even wrote anything about and Cosmo. The, the, whis- the whistling man, who's he? I always just call him James Gunn's brother, but yeah. Is that who he is, James Gunn's brother? Sean Gunn, yeah. Okay, well... He also voices... Baby Rocket in this film. No way. Well, they yeah. were way cool. I really liked their dynamic. I Crackling. thought they were hilarious. And even his little, like, his development to sort of from useless kind of bit of a mess to Guardian in the end. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, very fun. And Cosmo made me laugh so much. And I really enjoyed Chris Pratt. And I don't always. I often find Chris Pratt irritating, even if I like his characters. Uh, and in this one, I did not find him ir- irritating. I think he was like a really good leading man in this one. Yeah. Like I think maybe really... because the story, as we learn from the actual script, is actually Rocket's story, I don't have to dislike Chris Pratt uh, for being. Right. Yeah. The leading man because it's not actually about him it's about rocket yeah maybe that's why i like but he it. showed some emotional like range yeah like when they thought rocket was going to die at one point yeah. he really you know he had them bits in his mouth where when you scream it <laughs> sticks to your lips the water <laughs> saliva saliva that's the <laughs> one yeah um the only one mm-hmm. character wise that i thought was a little hard done by, but I think that's because James Gunn was written into a corner with her, was Gamora. Same. I was hoping you'd say that because otherwise I'd have probably disagreed with you, but yeah. Gamora. The only what he did the best he could, but I just think because this was such a perfect send-off to the Guardians and yeah. I almost wanted to see her version. I feel like she was what... just sort of kicked to the side. Of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is a shame because she was like a fundamental part of the Guardians the whole way through and yeah. didn't even really get her grand exit. But I guess that's going to happen when it's part of another big It was quite a complex, universe. yeah, it's quite a complex way to bring her back into it and it still makes sense in the in the yeah. universe of it, I suppose. So. Did you like Will Poulter as Adam Warlock? Um, I didn't dislike him. I think when... Like, his casting happened and all of that. I think I was a bit more excited than maybe was... I don't think... He, he didn't really have all that much didn't to really do. Didn't really bring much to the table. I, I think he was very... Whilst I actually... I, I think a, a good part of this film is the fact that it did... Whilst there were set-ups for mm. future films, if it ended now, it would feel like an end. Yeah. And I do think uh, Adam Warlock can and will go further into. Yeah. But I do think he played that bit well that he was clearly brought out of the cocoon too early so he was like a big man baby yeah like i thought that was quite 
well done. Yeah, he did well with what he what he had. I yeah. just think the the character for me wasn't particularly exciting. One thing I think is worth mentioning that they really did Gamora dirty on. Um, how implausible is it that she would pick up the phone having contacted the um, gruff-sounding Ravenger man uh-uh. to come and pick her up from the ship because they won't drop her back? And it's, what's her name? Elizabeth Debicki. Thank you. Yeah. With her posh Princess Diana voice, <laughs> says, Salutations. <laughs> yes, of course I'll come and pick you up. How the fuck is Gamora going to believe that that is anybody apart from this stupid woman? Oh, that's what really annoyed me. It's the one plot point that stopped this being a five-star film for me. Really? Yeah. Oh, see, I can see past that because I look at the, the Ravagers and there's so many different types of Ravagers. That it could have just been she another one. She called the person by name. Oh, did she? Yeah. Mm. Irritated me. Anyway, I can get over it because the orgoscope was the organic spaceship thing. Orgocop. Yeah, but the ship was called the orgoscope. Oh, was it? Yeah, and it was the headquarters for Orgocorp. Oh, uh, right, okay. I think, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... That was a gross thing to have, but really funny. Like an organic ship made of, like, grown rather than constructed. That bit reminded Loved me a bit it. like Doctor Who vibes. It was very 60s Like, like the way they were all, the security guards were yeah. all in these, like, Michelin Man yeah. type. Colour palette was all orange and white. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Thought that that um, receptionist manager person oh, that they... that's another funny in, bit. She was really funny. Like you're in love Loved with Drax. Little, little oh, no, no, I'm not a, you're on a right, yeah. The one with the bob. Oh, yeah. Who was like, oh, I thought you were a bit of a prat, to be honest. Um, and then it turned out she was into him because um, women seem to like bad boys. A bit of a prat. A bit of a prat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really funny. I'm on about the other receptionist when Mantis makes That's him fall in love with, with Drax. That yeah. was fun. I did think, oh, is this teetering a bit on... Like, gay, is gay as the, the brunt of the joke. joke, yeah. Um, I didn't think so. No, I thought, well, they're all aliens, so, like, exactly. it doesn't really matter. Um, but I thought that was, I liked the whole Argo Court bit, I thought yeah. it was really funny. And James Gunn got his wife in there as somebody with the, like, in the control <laughs> room. And when she got shot in the leg, her reaction made me laugh. He, like, so. paused for a fraction of a second and then suddenly just screamed. <laughs> Oh my god, it made me laugh out loud both times watching it. It was, it was a bit like Doctor Who, Star Trekky vibes. Like, yeah. The whole thing in that organic ship, all I could think of was, um, you know, the old Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, yeah. Um, when they go to the TV room and yeah. they're all in orange and white and then they sing about Mike TV. Made me think of that. So that was fun. Um, so when Rocket comes back to life, I will say Bradley Cooper, great voice performance again. Yeah. When Rocket does come back to life and Rocket's like, no, I want to face the high evolutionary, I want to go back in and I want to rescue everyone, like the kids that are in there, all the different animals, all the different stuff. That corridor fight where all the Guardians go in together, Mm. one of the best action scenes I've seen in a long watch and I will say throughout the full film the way Gunn places the camera in Mm. really inventive ways makes it 
it started quite early when Warlock attacked Nebula. And when he ran at her, we saw the camera as Nebula getting pushed through nowhere. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's a cool shot. Mm. And there was loads of these moments. But that, that hallway fight, I can't even begin to understand the intricacies of filming that because you've not just got action pieces with actors. You've got CGI characters in there. You've mm. got Groot. You've got Rocket. Rocket. You've got loads of different types of looking alien type things. Just thought it was phenomenal. Mm. I just, honestly, I can't wait to see what James Gunn does next, which I know we know is Superman Legacy, but I really think Marvel shot themselves in the foot by firing him, bringing him back for Guardians 3, having fired him, and then kind of said, right, that's you done, because I think he would have been a credit to Marvel, but I'm hoping... They're going to eat that decision. That one thing that does come from it is that he makes a step, does a stellar job, and mm. manages to get DC films back on track. So, yeah, yes. I did like at the end when everyone gets onto Norway, including the animals. It felt a bit like Noah's Ark to me. Yeah, um, and I thought Noah's Ark, <laughs> bit <laughs> of a metaphor for like the refugee struggle. Okay, yeah, yeah, bit of a reach maybe, mm, maybe, but we go with it. I can see where you're going with it. And then, obviously, the film culminates with them all on Nowhere together. Deciding what to do with their lives. Decide what to do. Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine Plays, which gets me... Which, by the way, Guardians is known for its soundtracks. This is another really strong one. And throughout the song, it's like cutting and going quiet and then building back up. We get Mm. to see them all make the decisions that Mm. Rocket is going to be the new captain... Nebula and Drax are going to stay on Nowhere and build this build new world. world. And that really sweet line where they say that they've realised that Drax is meant to be a dad. Yeah. Which is a great end to his arc because his daughter got killed by yeah. Thanos, maybe? Uh, I, think I think Thanos. So we've got them two. Mantis kind of wants to go away and discover herself. She feels like she, because she worked with the ego, her well, she's Quill's brother, sister, so I don't know if he goes her dad. Anyway, she wants to go off and look after herself, uh, find herself, because she feels like all she's ever done is kind of report to other people. Didn't he and she go doesn't know create her when he created the planet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Pratt's character, Peter Quill, decides that he wants to go back to it's Earth to, to spend, spend time with his granddad. His ageing granddad. So we kind of end. Uh, Gamora goes back to the Ravagers. Mm. The only other two that are on kind of nowhere, but there weren't main characters in this, was um, Cosmo and Kraglin. Mm. What's Groot doing? Why have I told... Oh, Groot's staying in the Guardians, isn't he? And Groot speaks. I didn't... I don't... I don't think that was necessary. Groot speaking. I've read, I've seen articles with a headline like James Gunn explains and I need to read them because I want to understand that creative decision. Yeah. Until I understand it, I don't think it was necessary. I kind of was already crying at this point because yeah, I didn't And then he kind of spoke yeah. and I went, <laughs> first time I saw it, I went, oh, like <laughs> this when he God. spoke. Um, and yeah, so that's, but what's interesting is like they don't, necessarily kill any of them off so post the second post credit scene we get yeah. which is 
I mean, it's one of those Marvel post-credit scenes where you think, why have I stayed till the end of the credits to watch him having a conversation with his granddad? Yeah, like Peter Quill. You do, anyway. We do. But at the end, the, the, the closing frame is, a, you know, Star-Lord will return. So yeah. he's obviously not done. And the first post-credit scene is the new group of Guardians. So we've got Groot, Rocket, Cosmo, Craglin, Adam Warlock, and then that high evolutionary girl that he created that was spinning around in the treadmill, the little girl. Yeah. So we've got them. Bit of a weak Guardians lineup, I'll be honest, I thought. But well, obviously, I'm not sure they're going to make another Guardians film out of them, are they? They'll probably just bring them in sometimes. I think it will be another Guardians film eventually. Really? Yeah. Or maybe they'll bring in Love and Thunder as well. Oh, God. I mean, that could happen. But there's other characters within the, the Marvel comics that have been in the Guardians at times that haven't featured yet in the films. Yeah. So... And it's almost like I don't see anyone else touch the Guardians now James Gunn's done. Like, I'd be happy, you're right, if it was yeah. almost reformed into another project where it may be like Nova Corps or something where the Guardians slotted in but weren't necessarily... Like, I don't see them being in the next Avengers film. I don't think. Mm, I don't know. But then they've said Star-Lord will return, so what's he going to be doing? I don't know. But yeah, um, really, really great film. Love it. I could genuinely see it being in my top ten of the year. Yeah. So you already give it away that you gave it four and a half star. Mm. I also gave it four and a half star. Mm. I could, on a good day, be very tempted to push it up to five, but I'm going to rest on four and a half. Yeah. I'll probably watch it one day when it drops on Disney Plus in the future, and I could... One day I'll get over that stupid decision of Gamora and then I'll give it a five. I tell you what would maybe push me up to a five if I watched the full trilogy. Because a lot of people are saying when they go back to watch one and two, it makes it even better because you can Ooh, see the story. that Because you know it, what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I might do one day when yeah. I've got a spare nine hours, eight hours. Okay. <laughs> so that'll be in about 2040-something. Um, Gadar? Uh, need to get it, it's just been on charge, so bear with me. He's just going to get his, what do we call it, the instrument? The yeah, but what, what, would, what would it be? I don't know. I would call it a machine, but I call my phone a machine, so... No, you don't. You call your phone a machine? And a laptop, yeah. <laughs> Look, where is it coming on the Gaydar rank? Quite low. Yeah, I would agree. Mm. It's a bit gayer than John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) That feels like such a daft comparison. But not quite as gay as Super Mario Bros. Mm, I'm not sure I'd agree with that. A lot of the reasons why we said... Super Mario was gay, and yes, it was quite low down, was, like, it was colourful, and it had a few rainbows in. You could argue that this was very colourful, and had some camp characters in it. Now, it, it, I wouldn't say, it, 
it's not done much for LGBTQ plus representation in the MCU, has it? So, well, no. Although apparently that character that's in the Guardians in the post credit scene, the young girl, she's a very fa- very famous queer character in the comics. So, Well, I mean, good for her. Yeah. Um, I don't think Marvel have worked out how to do it properly. Never worked out representation. Because they had that stupid rock thing in Thor, Love and Thunder who said he was with another guy, Rock, which was stupid. But it turned out that that's then, how his species reproduced anyway. So it's By holding hands, exactly. And then Valkyrie's bisexuality wasn't really... People just say Valkyrie's bisexual. It's like when Why J.K. Rowling suddenly it... said that Dumbledore was gay. But Why are all the Nordic characters bisexual? Loki... I mean, he had a bit of a conversation with Sylvie, didn't he, on that episode? But, mm. yeah. Mm. Just try and... I just want them to just try and... get it in without it being... Without a, lubing it up. Yeah, if we're <laughs> going to use a metaphor. Like, <laughs> like I just want them to... Just do it really seamlessly. There must be some writers out there that could do it. And, honestly, if you're going to do X-Men... A few of those X Men are, are famously gay or queer in characters in the in the comics. If you get the queer so, writers in the room, then the queer characters will be queer without having to be in your face. Oh look, we kissed. That proves it. Yeah, because the MCU isn't particularly a romantic thing anyway. Yeah, and like, I'm not the most romantic thing we've got is Wonder and Vision in Wonder Vision, probably. Queer people are still queer when they're not in queer relationships, when they're not having queer sex, when they're not doing queer kisses. When they're not doing queer marriage, like it's still, yeah, you know what I mean. Characters can still be LGBTQ without it needing to be a love or a romance. Very good, but we tend to Thank sexualize you. queer communities, don't we? Well, and herein lies the problem. Yeah, are we done? Yes. And that's all for this time. If you've enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Gaze on Film Pod. And check out our letterboxed accounts, links of which are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please do feel free to drop us a message, especially on this one. What are you laughing at? Fumbling a bit, wasn't there? Well, I just think... Bill, bring the phone. Thanks, Go on. Um, I have been Declan. And I have been Ned. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.